This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. On today's episode, we're going to get into the recent, not surprising uh, revelation that the NRA will will be supporting Donald Trump in the upcoming presidential election and what that means for everything going forward. We're also going to talk a little bit about the history of the NRA and some other things along those lines. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chicago Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, uh, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking about, what you're uh, doing, and uh, if you guys, what you want to hear us talk about. Anything other than that, you know, you can find us on those sites. And here we go. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading today's episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, editor-in-chief of the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signary. AJ, do what you do, but do it oh so well. Hi, y'all. Oh, he went southern with it because today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, is near and dear to all the people in the South and, well, let's face it, Republicans everywhere. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story that came out the other day, which is not shocking, that Donald Trump's uh, main supporters right now, uh, or a group that is giving Donald Trump support, is the NRA, the National Rifle Association, chaired by the ever-appropriately named Wayne LaPierre. Now, we're going to have a conversation. They don't know how long it's going to go, probably a little bit longer than our normal show, because this is a topic that AJ and I care a lot about. We do disagree in some aspects of it, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you my standings, and then I think I want to throw it to AJ to give you where he stands on these issues, and then we're going to kind of talk about everything in general. But we're going to start with this. Uh, I live in the city, well, I live in the suburbs of the city of Chicago, and this weekend is Memorial Day. Memorial Day in Chicago means many things it means barbecues it means the final uh death knell of fall and winter and even the cold part of spring it means summer is here and the city is green and everything's great but it also means something else if you've lived here long enough if you've read the news long enough memorial day in chicago is a goddamn street war about to start it will start friday night And it will roll through until the middle of the day on Monday on the three-day weekend. Because all beefs that are left over from the winter will be settled in the streets. There will be bullets flying. And by the end of the weekend, we will have heard, what do you want to say, AJ? Ten deaths by the end of the weekend, if not more? Um, I would say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. sounds about right. Now, here in the city, we are inundated with guns, which is weird. Because Chicago has among the toughest gun laws in the country. So the question is always, well, where do the guns come from? They come from gun shows. Guns are sold by private owner to private owner, which are then illegally brought into the city and sold on the street with no records, no anything. And that's how the guns get here. The NRA has 
throughout history of the last, uh, not throughout history, but for the last 25 to 30 years, has done an amazing job on their part of keeping gun laws essentially non-existent in the country, especially in rural areas, to allow people to continue to get guns. And they do so under the auspices of saying that if we don't protect people's gun rights, the tyrannical government will come and take us because the Queen of England apparently is nothing but one day away from coming back to claim America, so we all need to be heavily armed. That's what we know. What we know is gun manufacturers make guns. They are sold to private people who then sell them at private shows, who then take people who buy them, take them to places where they're not supposed to be, sell them illegally, and they end up on the street in the numbers of hundreds of thousands. There are 2.9, I'm sorry, 293 million guns in the United States at this moment that have already been sold. That is almost one gun for every person in the United States. Now, that's not saying every person has a gun, but a lot of people who buy guns buy multiple guns. We know that the city will explode into violence this weekend, and most importantly, we know that nothing will be done about it because of the lobbying power in the right wing of the NRA, who once again has decided to support the future terrific leader in all of his blow-dried glory. So here's where I stand on this. I am an old school, I'm not even old school, I'm, I am a Democrat who truly believes that guns should just be illegal to be sold. You should not be able to buy a gun in the United States. I know that that is an extreme to a lot of people, and even to AJ, who disagrees with me on this, because he comes from a very different background than I. But I have only been around guns three times in my life. Once when I was very young, once during a poker game, I'm not kidding about that, I'll tell you that story later, AJ, where I played poker with guns on the table, and a, a time not about six years ago, a friend of mine took me out and I shot a 9mm. Here's the thing, I like, the, the, it's fun, but a gun is not a toy, a gun is a tool for killing, and I just don't think that it should be sold the way that they are now. I, I, I think that if you want to buy a .30-06, you know, pump-action shotgun, I'm fine with that If because you live in the middle of the wilderness. But I don't think you need an AR-15. I don't think you need a Beretta 9mm to be sold for everybody. I think that guns should be illegal. It's not about us. It's not even about our kids. It's about our grandkids and our great-grandkids because if guns are continuing to be sold at the rate that they're sold in the United States, we will have so many guns that it will just become what we think of as the Old West, which, for the record, was not as violent as we think it was. That's where I stand. Mr. A.J. Signeri, the floor is yours. So, I mean, <clears throat> I do come from a, a little bit of a different background. You know, I grew up in rural Illinois, and I've had guns in my life. I've shot guns. I've hunted. I was a member of the NRA, have certificates of... NRA marksmanship, been an NRA certified range master um, to teach other people how to use a firearm. Um, and that's where my background is, you know, like educating people like what the firearm is and not this toy that you go out and just start shooting random people or just random things for the sake of it. It is a tool and that's all it is. It is a tool. You use it for hunting. You use it for target practice. Um, Second Amendment, eh, I get a little different nuances with the Second Amendment. Um, do I think people have the right to bear arms? Um, I, 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 yes, with an asterisk. That asterisk is that you need to be qualified <laughs> in order to have said firearm. Um, but I don't think, you know, you know like what, 
you know, Nate just said, you know, we need to start eliminating all these gun show deals. We need to <clears throat> really think about how we look at the gun because a lot of people are looking at the gun very differently and people are just getting a little too obsessive about the gun. Um, if you go back to various statistics, you know, there was a number of gun sales <clears throat> around the September 11th attacks. About a little over 750,000 guns were sold. Um, and you look at Sandy Hook shooting, about around 2 million guns were um, being sold at that time and everything. And yet we also have to think about that gun sales also means the rise in stock for all these gun brands, Smith & Wesson, Ruger, um, even accessories that go with guns. Bosch Lom, which does a lot of, of the scope for rifles and for handguns and everything. And like Nick also said, you know, no one should be having like an AK-47, 30-06, you know, all of these you know, badass firearms, you know, I mean, a, a simple handgun is fine. Um, I don't think anyone should be having a Glock because um, this is powerful and that can do a lot of damage. And there are issues with people who have guns and they're using it to end conflict. And unfortunately, that happens in the south and west side of Chicago, that happens in various boroughs in New York City, as well as areas of Los Angeles, Baltimore. Philadelphia, all over the United States, and internationally, too. So I think in this day and age, about the gun is viewed different, is massively different than what the gun was supposed to be for um, back in the good old days, and those good old days are around the 1700s. Which again were good old days if you were white and and a man. That's well, what, that but yeah. even like Native Americans when they did have the gun, when they were actually given the gun, they still looked at the gun as a tool, and they didn't really use it as much. I mean, unless you know the more aggressive tribes that used the gun for violent purposes. But even still, I mean, you can go back to history when various. Um, cultures had the gun and they looked at it as a tool but you're right it has primarily been white males that have well, been using it and, and, and you mentioned the you know if you go back but i, I do think that there is a difference between a seven a seven shot uh mm -hmm. handle winchester right from the old west and an, a, an ar-15 with a 70 round clip Right, you know, there's a difference, and the fact that we have to act, that, that people try to act like there isn't is what pisses me off when it comes to the gun debate. Uh, you, how old? Are, I always forget how old you actually are. Do you mind saying, or are you like a Hollywood actress who can't ever say it? I'm 25. You're not 25. I'm 35. You're 35. <laughs> I'm 33. So you, were, you and I were both in high school when Columbine happened. Yes. Oh, oh, oh I remember that day. So do I. Were you sent home? Ah, uh, no, um, we weren't. Um, <laughs> We were no, we, we weren't. It was more about a teaching moment than actually sending us home because, again, you can go anywhere in the school lot and one of the kids may have had a gun regardless. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because I grew up in the North Shore, as I like to tell you occasionally, AJ, and apparently my parents cared more for me than they cared for you because I was sent home the day of Columbine due to the threat 
No, we were protected because we knew one of the farm boys had a gun <laughs> in their car. The, um, so I always think of that as like a very important moment in my life because that was the moment I realized uh, just how vulnerable we all really are to somebody with a, to, to, to somebody with a gun if they choose to use it. Uh, but also just the idea of deranged people being able to get their hands on shit like that is scary. And I know that that's... I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase my thought process that day. Because I was 14, 15 when it happened. 1999, I would have been... Yeah, I was, I was 14 at that point. Or... Yeah. So... I'm sorry, I was 17. I don't know why the hell I'm blanking on this. Anyway, the only reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because when it happened and I was sent home, there's a part of you at that age that's like, well, if that happened to me, I'd be the hero and I would stop this. You know what I'm saying, AJ? Do you, mm -hmm. you know, like that is, especially with your hormones going and, and you know, your teenage invincibility complex, you think that you would be able to stop it somehow. But as I've gotten older, and, and I've really thought back on that day, it really did influence me going forward a lot. And just the idea, because I remember walking out of the school that day, and very clearly we had to go out the front doors, which nobody ever really did, and that's why they made us go that way. And they're just these giant glass doors. And I remember talking to my buddy, uh, Sean, and go, you know what's fucked up, man, is that if, if there was a guy with a rifle in a tree right outside this school right now, he could gun down 20 of us before we even realized what was happening. And that reason he could do that is because he would have an assault rifle. I don't no, know. I mean, I mean, and we, we, that, that was that, that sentiment was um, with us too because, I mean, where my school is located, uh, my high school, Alamater, located is that it's, it's, it's still in residential area, so there's not that many trees, but we still have high rooftops that are flat to a degree. And there are certain rooms that people could access if they really wanted to. So I remember, like, you know, days leading up to going back to school and everything that that happened. And it's like, okay, someone can be upstairs where the old radio room used to be and just do a Lee Harvey Oswald bit right here. Or they can go over here. But, but like I said, I mean, we knew some of the kids who – had the gun and at any point they could just brought it into the school because we didn't have metal detectors they still don't have metal detectors and everything um we started having on-campus police um for a different reason but we had the one and i remember telling somebody i'm like yes because one officer is going to make a difference <laughs> Well, and that goes in the idea that I don't want to go food too far down this track, but if you ask uh, what I call the gun nut, which isn't the person who argues, like th there are people who argue for guns and their and their arguments are valid, but there are also people who argue for guns who are just crazy people, and those are the ones who are like, well, every teacher at school should have a gun, and you go, so what? That they could just be twice as many bullets flying, because I, I have a friend of mine, and uh, he and I talk about this a lot, and he's got. He's got a gun, and he and I were arguing back and forth about whether or not he should have one, basically. And his argument was, well, if I'm out on the street with my girlfriend and somebody comes to get us and to take, you know, to, to try to hurt us, I'm armed and I'm packing and I'm ready to defend myself. And I said, all right, stop. And run through that scenario 
practically in your head. You are walking out of a bar in the city of Chicago. Say you're somewhere it's a little bit seedier. Say you're in, I don't know, the, the bad part of Rogers Park, which isn't really a bad area, but just bad enough that something could right. happen, right? Uh, what, what the hell is the name of that hippie place uh, that's right there? Heartland Cafe. Heartland Cafe. And if, you were, if you're walking out of Heartland and somebody were to come up and accost you, you're telling me that you have the mental ability that you know that you could – one, identify the threat before it's gotten you in a position where you can't do anything. Two, remove your firearm from your holster, which is hopefully buckled. Three, draw your weapon. Four, aim your weapon. Five, fire your weapon. In the amount of time it would take you, in, in the amount of time it takes somebody to accost you and pay, take you down, basically. That's not, that doesn't make sense. That's not how this kind of shit plays out. And so the self-defense argument to me with a gun has always been one of those things where I'm like, yes, theoretically, if you knew it was coming, you know, if it's the end of James Bond's Skyfall, sure, having a bunch of guns in your house is helpful because you can see, you know, Harvey or Bardeem coming in a helicopter. But most of the time, you're not going to be in a scenario where you're able to get it. It's like the people say, well, I have a gun to defend my family. Okay, well, where's your gun? Well, it's locked in a safe above the, <laughs> above the closet. Okay. So somebody breaks into your house with a gun to kill you. You're telling me that you've got the time to get out of bed, go to your closet, take down the safe, put in the combination in the middle of the night, by the way, to make sure you don't screw it up, open the safe, load the weapon, because they say all responsible gun owners should not store the ammunition with the gun just in case a child were to find it. Find the ammunition, assuming it's not lost somewhere or that your wife or girlfriend didn't move it or partner or I don't, you know, there's no sexism here. Well, however you want to say you were in bed with whoever, you... In the middle of the night, let's say you've been drinking that night too. So you know what I'm saying, AJ? Like there's all these things that need to go perfectly right for you to be able to get your gun out to be able to defend yourself in the amount of time that you have. The only other reason I'm bringing up the self-defense thing is that I just I want to go through the major arguments and, and kind of paint them in a realistic light before we really get into what the NRA and Trump together and what the NRA has become and get into its history. The, the other argument that I hear for people to have guns is that it's you know for hunting and again if you want to go hunting with a 22 i don't got a problem with that it's 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 a single shot gun that needs to be you know at least at the very least cocked between each shot i don't got a problem with that because you can't theoretically you could kill someone with that no doubt but you can't kill 30 people with that in a movie theater it's getting to the point though where a guy goes hunting in the middle of the woods with a giant assault rifle that's firing massive ammunition, you're going to obliterate the deer. You're not going to get anything out of it. It just doesn't make any sense. Assault rifles in particular, as Stephen King said it best, exist for two reasons. One, target shooting, which you can do with any damn gun you want, and two, to kill people. And that's a really stupid reason for people to be able to buy guns. So you can go shoot at targets. You can do that with any gun that you want. You don't need an assault rifle. Now, here's where I really want to get into with this stuff with you, AJ. You know the history of the NRA like I do. The NRA, up until 1977, this was not this organization, correct? When you were growing up, even in through the early 80s, it was not what it is now, correct? When you said you were a member of the NRA, I'm assuming that was 80s to early 90s before they really became the political organization that they are in the 90s against Clinton? Yeah, I mean, the NRA I remember, um, or at least how it was constructed to me, was really this 
organization for those who were avid hunters, avid gun collectors, and that was it. Um, nothing political, um, but again, I was younger and wasn't really into like getting on board with an organization because of their political stance at the time. So when I was doing hunting, fishing, and all that, and became a member of the NRA, you know, I just felt, you know, I'm with an organization that's going to um, teach me how to use a gun better, um, as well as to understand what the gun is about. And I can always recall that was always the mantra <clears throat> of the NRA, which is, you know, this is a tool, not a weapon. And, you know, and this is prior to... Um, Charlton Heston being president. You can take my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. You know, and I think it was around that time I started to kind of question a little bit because I like, why is this guy? Why is Moses holding a shotgun? You know, and saying what he's saying. And Ben Hur looks pissed. Right? And so, I mean, it, it, it didn't, the NRA wasn't really this. 501c4, 501c3 organization that I used to love at one point. And when Charlton Heston came into play and then all of a sudden, you know, the NRA is going to places that shootings happen and they're kind of really balking at the notion that people have died. And it's like, well, had you had a gun, this would never happen. I'm like, no. <laughs> That, yeah, that's had the, they had a gun, the situation would have been worse. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't understand the logic that these guys use and that people buy into. I think that's really what offends me the most about that organization, AJ, is that they constantly throw out there this idea that, well, if everybody was armed, no one would ever be hurt. And you look at them and go, no, motherfucker, there'd be bullets flying every 40 seconds all around. Like, there'd be so many shootings that you wouldn't even react to the sound of gunfire anymore. Like, it, it, it's just... That logic, though, is 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 paramount in the gun rights movement, and it, and it really scares the shit out of me that there are a lot of people who believe that. And and you mentioned earlier when we were talking about how after nine eleven there was the gun sales, after Sandy Hook there was the gun sales. Yeah, there's a part of me that believes that the gun manufacturers and the people who invest in those companies want those shootings because it instantly triples their sales for the month. And they receive massive stack, uh, stock bonuses because their stock is going through the roof because everybody who wants a gun is buying one because they're afraid that Obama's going to come and take it from them. I mean, if you look at the numbers even closely, and these are 2010 numbers now, I'm about to say, of all the things around self-defense by using the gun, only 230 of them, 230 were considered justifiable homicides. Okay. And there were 19,000, little over, well, around 19,000 gun suicides. Right. That's the other thing, is that gun, the, the, the permit, uh, the, this many guns has actually led to more suicides than anything else. You know, and, uh, and around a little over 600 unintentional gun deaths, you know, so between six, little over six hundred intentional gun deaths versus two hundred thirty justifiable homicide, which even that number to two thirty, you really have to 
look at a more powerful microscope to kind of look at what does that even mean in itself. But if you look at the two, the unintentional and the justifiable, you know, which one would you rather have? You know, but with the self-defense, you know, I'd much rather have someone have a taser than a gun. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Or, or, or a strong pepper spray or something like that. Any, any, anything non-lethal. Uh, my, and I don't know how much she wants me to tell this story, but about three, four months ago, my sister got mugged. I don't know if I ever told you that. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so she got mugged on the street. And somebody came up, and she was reaching into her trunk to grab material. She's a social worker doing the Lord's work. She even makes your activism look like it's not enough. Right. She's constantly in bad neighborhoods and in, in places where people are living in poverty, and she's trying to help out, trying to do the right thing, trying to be a much better person than, than I am. And she gets mugged on the street. Somebody comes up, cold clocks her in the back of the head, and steals her shit. And, or, like, basically says, give me all your cash. And she had cash in her pocket, gave the guy, like, $37, and he ran off. And apparently the first thing the cops said to her is, it was too bad that you didn't have a gun. You could have you stopped the guy. And she looked at the cop and went, are you saying that I should have killed this dude for 37 bucks? Like, that it's worth me killing him over $37? Because that seems to be the... It's one of those things I didn't ever, I've never really thought about till it happened to her. Because your natural instinct as the older brother is to be like, well, I'm going to go find this guy and kick the shit out of him. But she makes a great point. It's like, how desperate is this guy's life that he would come and do this for 37, for, you know, for whatever money he can get out of a defenseless woman in the middle of the street? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've, as I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That says a lot about, first of all, about her and her kindness. But it also says a lot about the fact that we live in a society where people are like, yeah, no, you should have, like... And that wasn't the only person to say that. Like, throughout the next couple of weeks, every person she told that story to said, well, I bet you wish you had a gun. And we had to keep going, no, what would she have done in that scenario? She didn't know the guy was coming. The only thing that she could have done in that scenario is shoot the guy in revenge after he had robbed her. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, for 37 bucks... We live in a world where people seem to be okay with that and they justify all of this violence and all of this shit and it all comes back to this little fucking thing that's called a gun that we all have such a tremendous access to and, and we're all terrified of it. and it, Not terrified of it. We're not all terrified of it. That's part of the problem. But we're all thinking about it all the time to the point where I walk into the United Center to go to a Blackhawks game or a Bulls game over the fall. I think it was a Bulls game I went to. And they have a little sign, no guns allowed. Like, we have to have that sign. They don't have that sign in Europe. They don't have that sign in basically any country in the world that is a decent place to live. They don't have that. You know what? They don't have it on my favorite country on the planet, which is Canada, and they don't have it there. I've decided that Canada is my favorite country. It's just so polite there. Did you see the, the thing on John Oliver about the guy with the elbow? Yeah. And he had to apologize like seven times. So Canadian. I loved it. Right. I, here's the other thing I want to get into, though. Just, so you, you grew up with them, and they, and they started to change. They did the whole thing. I, I want to get into also the, the Bowling for Columbine by Michael Moore, which did, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you fall on the gun issue, I really recommend that you watch it. It's an interesting look. You may not agree with what he says, but... It's a very interesting look at the gun industry and how that stuff works. Don't get me wrong. It is full of Michael Moore's, Michael Moore-ness. I don't know how else you would describe it. Like, it's very much about what he feels and what he thinks, which I respect. Other well, people. It, it's, it's really not objective. No, and he never is, but he doesn't try to say that he is either. 
No. That, that's always been the thing I love about him. And he's got a new documentary came out today that I can't wait to go watch. Um, but you look at Columbine, you look at Sadie. I think, I think part of the issue with me, AJ, is that is, is they've historically become this political organization. They've done things, and including one that I learned about last night that I did not know about. Did you know about the, the thing with the uh, – I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot what it's called. The National um, – it's not the ATF. It's the National uh, Tracking Organization. Oh, no. Okay, so there's this or, there there is this thing, and I'm trying to find these. I want to make sure I get the right name. There's a do, 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 do. the tracing center you're talking about. Yeah, tracing center. That's what it is. The ATF. Tra- yeah, the ATF's tra- national tracing center. Yeah, that they can't use computers. Right. I did not know that until yesterday. Did you know that until yesterday? No, I did not know the. I thought they had computers, but I didn't think they didn't, never had. I thought they had something. But, but not the computers. But apparently, the NRA lobbied Congress and effectively shut down the ability for the National Tracking Center to be able to track the sales of firearms digitally. Their theory being that if the government has that information, they'll be able to use it in a tyrannical way. Because apparently, the NRA thinks that all President, I'm sorry, all dictator Obama needs is a list of people with guns and he will come and take them from you. Even though he has the lowest grade rating by the gun safety organizations in the last forty years of presidents, because he's well, a go ahead. If you if you if you look at even that rhetoric alone, and those who um, are very ardent um, don't pry the gun away from me. Um, these are the same people who will always reference. Like Stalin, uh, Pol Pot, Hitler, uh, Mao, and a few other people that they took the guns away from the people and then they conducted their own human rights violations. You know, and they'll do this. They did the same thing with Obama. Um, they do it with a few other liberal slash leftist groups as well. And it's like, you know, right. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I just don't understand why you need this gun so much. That's what irritates me the most. It's like that's the reaction that, you know, if the government's involved or you're trying to at least have data to not, not support or go against the argument, but just to have the data available. Well, that, and that's the thing, though, man. You, you look at this stuff and you go, we live in 2016. I can watch a movie that came out in the... I, I theor, I, I'm not going... We live in a time, AJ, where I can watch a movie that hasn't been released yet in theaters. I can watch X-Men Apocalypse right now, but you're telling me we can't track who bought a gun six years ago in Tuscaloosa because we don't have it on paper so that if a murder is committed, it's going to take six months to figure out where exactly the the, the illegal gun came from? That's nuts. Well, and that's the thing, you know, and, you know, any criminalist will tell, tell you that it, the, the more information we have the better of a profile we can have on something and have we had this data i think we would have predicted dylan roof happening yeah but no we don't and now we allow dylan roof to 
going to a Baptist church and shooting up people in there. And, you know, unfortunately, he's facing the death penalty, but that's a whole different other show. Yeah, we're not, we're not. <laughs> so, listen, we're I mean, pissing off enough people on the right wing today. We don't need to get into that one, too. So, I mean, uh, if, if we had this information, I think we would have a lot less um, college, university, campus shootings, as well as high school shootings and, unfortunately, elementary school shootings. We would actually predict that if something's going to happen in the south side of Chicago, possibly, that this is going to happen. You know, I'd much rather cut something off the pass than go in somewhere blindly and be like, oh, I didn't know. Well, why didn't you know? Well, we didn't have their information. Well, why? Well, you lobbied against it, you know? Yeah. So it's always this circular reasoning with a lot of people that is the reason why our society is going on a downward spiral because certain organizations will go against Congress or go against their state governments or the local governments and they'll impose all these legislations and they get passed and then things happen and then people complain about it and then it starts becoming this debate and meanwhile, who's really hurting at the end of the day? Surprisingly enough, poor black people. You know? <laughs> You so know, it's I, like, and, and I feel bad whenever you and I kind of talk about this stuff. I honestly, I want anyone listening to know that we're not ignorant of the fact that we're two white boys from the suburbs in many ways. I mean, he's from rural Illinois, but basically, you know what I'm saying? We're not from yeah. the inner city. So when we start talking about race stuff, we're both aware of the ridiculousness of us being the ones to talk about it, but it's so blatantly obvious that there's no other way to look at it. I mean, at the end of the day, there are, again, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up here in the city. We know. we know, How fucked up is that, AJ? We know that this weekend, at least 10 people are going to die from guns that were bought and sold illegally, and there is literally nothing we can do about it. That is, that is so insane that you preemptively know what's going to happen. It's not like it's going to be a shock. On Monday morning, or actually it'll be on Tuesday because Monday everyone has off. So Tuesday morning, the front page of the Tribune and the Sun-Times in the city of Chicago is going to be 17 dead, 47 injured, and crazy weekend of, of Chicago shootings. There well, are, I, I really feel it's built-in genocide. I, I do too. I do too. I'm, the older I'm getting and the more I look at stuff, I'm starting to realize that maybe it really is. Did you see Elysium with Matt Damon? Yeah. I'm really starting to think that's where we're going. Like, I've always been the guy that we need to work to get to Star Trek, right? That's the only, the only possible evolution of mankind is Star Trek. And that's not true. It's really Elysium, which is the rich and the powerful have removed themselves so completely from society that they don't give a flying fuck about what happens to the rest of us. They do not care. And not only do they not care, they, they almost want us to die because it means more resources for them. Like, and, and I know that that sounds like an insane conspiracy, but... That's the only explanation I've got left because the laws of human decency, the laws of human nature, honestly tell you that it's the idea of kindness and, and helping. People will help strangers. It's, it's a weird thing. If you actually look into the idea of if somebody is actually hurt and, and you know, it, it's different in like a place like New York where there's so many people where it's the, the law of the bystander where you feel that if you were going to call, 10 other people have called, so nobody calls kind of thing, 911. But in most situations, if people see a car accident on the side of the road that's really bad, you will see people stop and try to help. People will generally do that. 
But when you get to a certain level, apparently, you don't give a shit about anybody else. And, and it's the, the line from Family Guy, they are ants, Michael. Like, it's just, they don't care that, again, on more of the week, and all these people are going to die, and they could easily stop that from happening next year by just stopping the gun shows and stopping this private dealership. And I actually, I was thinking about this, AJ, here. Let me, for those of you who don't know how this actually works, a gun is manufactured in usually Virginia, right? That's where Remington is, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, Remington, yeah. Okay, so Remington makes a handgun. Let's say it's a 9 millimeter semi-automatic pistol. They take it, they, set, they, they package it up in that really thick plastic that they sell at Walmart, and they send it out, let's say to Walmart in the south, or to Indiana, And because so, you can buy guns at Walmart in Indiana. So you go out there, and you go to and a private owner goes to Walmart and he buys himself some tires and some count chocolate cereal and some I don't know what else can you get at Walmart that's weird some sex toys and some lube and then goes over to the gun department and buys that Remington. Who's this guy you're talking about? I don't know a man who's going to use his gun to make you squeal like a pig boy. I mean count chocolate and sex lube. Whatever you want to do with your conchocula cereal is none of my business. I'm just trying to picture who this person is. It's it's a really fucked up Fred Flintstone. <laughs> he was going to get the Fruity Pebbles, but he decided to go with the Count Chocula because he didn't want to look at his daughter while he was doing it. Okay. And then the situation got weird. <laughs> and everybody kind of went, okay, well, I'm done with this podcast now. <laughs> because this man just said Fred Flintstone's going to shove fucking conchocula up his ass. Which would also be impressive because you would need a large funnel because those flakes aren't small. Continue. Anyway, so he goes to Walmart, he buys the gun. He takes the gun home. He then goes and he's bought, let's say, 20 of them. And he goes to a private gun show in, I don't know, give me a small town in Indiana that I would never be caught dead in, AJ. Jasper. Jasper, Indiana. And he's there at, a, at one of those big tent things where they've got it like in a convention hall, which I'm assuming is more like a national, armor, an old armory. And... He sells the gun to somebody who shows up at the show for 10% more than what he bought it for. That guy takes that gun, loads it into his truck, drives across the border, heads to the south side, checks in with his contacts, and sells the guns to a street gang. And that's how a gun gets to the south side of Chicago. The manufacturer made money off the initial sale. The gun dealer made sale made money off of that sale. The guy who sold it illegally made money off the sale. And then the gang member, as long as he doesn't actually do anything with the gun, can use that to further his own agenda. But most likely, will use that gun to kill another young black man who will then, as a result of that killing, his friends will then try to kill another young black man. And then you have your genocide as you put it which is not wrong that is taking place not to mention the fact that all the people involved with the crime will also go to jail in what cornell west calls the new jim crow and it all just keeps perpetual like you said it's like a wheel it's a wheel that just keeps turning and the same shit just keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening to the point where you're like well, will somebody please just break this fucking thing by doing something different clearly Nothing that we've tried has worked so far that is within the realm of compromise on, on this or that. Maybe it's time for something drastic. And I want to get away from this because this is also about the election. And this organization that we've spent the last 40 minutes talking about has stood up and unsurprisingly said that they support the future terrific leader, Mr. Donald Trump. And... The Daily Show last night did an amazing job of pairing up Wayne LaPierre, 
chairman of the NRA. Is he the chairman or is he the, just the lead spokesman, AJ? Do you know? I think, uh, I think he's the chairman. Okay. And Donald Trump's speeches, and they are freaking identical. They're the same things, the same points, being used in the same sort of rhetoric and way to drive up fear and to continue their agenda moving forward to a point where it is so disheartening to look at that you realize that all of that is all, I mean, it's not that shocking that it's all based on fear, but to see it laid out that way was insanely effective, I feel, the way they did it last night. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, Very much so. And so I want to get into this with you, AJ. We've been talking a lot about the election, the primaries with you and me. I don't think it's any shock that as far as the Democratic ticket was concerned, we were both Sanders supporters, even though you're not really a Democratic supporter at all. You're, you're for the Socialist Party, which I want to do a show on that in the next couple of weeks, a little, maybe a little bit even closer to the election. I want to really break down what that means for you. But I, I look at this and I go, it's, it's, it's honestly, like, I joked about it the last show we did when we were talking about the Paul Ryan meeting and then, like, meanwhile at the Legion of Doom. But mm-hmm. realistically, we have Donald Trump, we have Paul Ryan, and um, a bunch of people from the old Bush uh, presidency are now involved in the Trump campaign. And it literally feels like there's a skull coming out of a pond, and they're all in there together going, ha, 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 can we get everyone to vote for us and hate all the poor people? Because right. that, that seems to be what they're going for. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm almost running out of like ways to complain about this, AJ. And it's just, it gets to the point where you look at it all and, you, and I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly, for the first time in my life, the last few months, I'm actually afraid for the future of America. And that is something I never had growing up. I, I was such, again, a Star Trek dude that I was always so optimistic for the future. And I am not that anymore. And it, it actually makes me very sad. No, and I, I was just thinking about this today. And that is that this is probably the first election. And this is not, I'm not saying this in my usual you know, rhetoric of any presidential election. That this is the first time, like, I just have a headache over it, you know, like a literal headache over it, because I really cannot make heads or tails as to what all three of the candidates are talking about or what they're doing. Um, I really don't understand how some of these poll numbers are polled the way they are. I really just don't understand how the populace is talking in a certain way, um, I, I just don't get it. I just can't make heads or tails. And, it, I mean, it, it literally makes my head spin, you know. And, you know, there's someone I knew, uh, or know rather, um, in Wisconsin who was a very ardent Sanders supporter, but because of whatever, that person has switched to Hillary and now is kind of bashing Sanders, and this person talks about, you know, how Hillary did great at the SEIU event that happened, um, looking forward to vote for her. And I'm like, you know, I guess I am one of those people that has a loyalty with someone or an organization that I'm with and don't flip-flop on, you know, what I actually believe in and what have you. 
Uh, I, I'm, I voted for Sanders in the Illinois primary just so Clinton won't get it. Um, but having said that, you know, I mean, I believe in my own um, democratic socialism, what that Sanders doesn't talk about. But other than that, I just really, really, really don't understand how people can vote the way they want to vote for Trump as well as Clinton. I really don't understand how people look at the gun when they have these um, ideas that someone's going to take it away from them. And we don't live in a dictatorship. Sure, we have shitty policy in the United States. Sure, uh, there are things that are not going our way, but last time I checked um, – we don't live in a fascist state. You know, we don't live under one singular party. We don't live under like one dictator with no party. You know, we don't we're not we're not having a coup, you know. So I just don't get it when like an event happens or a, a, a populace that doesn't like a singular person and they have to go out and get a gun because they're fearful that their gun is going to be taken away. So they're going to stockpile and wait until that day of quote-unquote anarchy is going to happen, and then they're going to do something about it. And I've never been one who's for a violent revolution whatsoever. Um, so what I'm saying in some, some is this. We just need to have clarity of what's going on. We really need to just really put push the reset button and actually think about what we're doing here because everything doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. You know, we're having people in the south and west side of Chicago being harmed. We're having poverty at an all-time high across the United States. People, even though the private sector's flourishing, but you know, people well, no, no, not there, was a, jobs. Th there was an uh, amazing article that was written that said the, the one of the genius things that was ever done by the United States government, it, 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 and not on purpose, but it just kind of happened, was the invention of, of debit cards and link cards that could be just given to the unemployment office so that... You, as, you mean in today? In today. In contemporary in, times. In, in contemporary times. Okay. Because as the economy has gotten worse and as the... the as the rich, the gap between the rich and the poor has grown, and as you said, we have record unemployment and record poverty in the United States. We have more people on welfare now than we're ever on welfare during the Great Depression. We have more people on welfare than we're ever in bread lines during the Great Depression. But we don't see it because you don't have to wait in line for that shit anymore. No, and it's given it, to you digitally. You know, regarding inventions. Um, I've said this before at a, a presentation in Chicago. Um, there are two inventions that exist today that has demised our society. Do you know what they are? I assume one is television. No. Okay. The car. Okay. And air conditioning. Okay, I get the car for the environment. But Well, not even that, just the environment. When the, the car, you know, we've... Actually, you know, when, before the car, you know, we kind of stayed in our community and, you know, everyone 
coalesced with each other and with the adventure of the car we still did that but then we explored we went out and say hey i like this area maybe we should live here maybe we should do this and now you have people leaving the rural and creating urban areas and their metropolitan areas and everything with the air conditioner we're now having people staying at home they're not going to the bowling alley they're not going to church they're not going to their civic organization they're not people are more how often have you heard someone saying, I'm not going to go there if they don't have air conditioning? Yeah, that's true. You know, and because of the air conditioning, you know, especially in the South and parts of the Midwest, you know, we like to stay inside. Therefore, we have created our own introverted personalities and we don't want to go somewhere unless they have air conditioning. And God forbid, if the air conditioning is not working, um, we're not going to go and people complain about it and thus, you know, kind of become hermits again and everything. Those are the two inventions, in my opinion, has really set the tone of what our society is, that we are more about being more indiv- individualistic as well as not being the extroverts that we should be in taking care of our own as well as being out front to speak out f- up and out front when it comes to the issues. Hence the name of the show. Exactly. See how uh, I tied that in there? I did. I liked that. I was very proud of you, and that was a great way to do some branding. There you go. Uh, now, stand still while I get this brand really hot in the fire. <laughs> um, we've been doing this for about an hour now, AJ, and, and I know that we're not any closer to solving the world's problems. because Yes, we are. Okay. Well, I, I listen, all we need is for the world to agree to put you and I in charge, and and the world would be fine. Well, and if we're going to do lo- this, and I'm gonna, people are going to say I'm going to be a hypocrite when I say this. We just need to be dictators. Yeah, but we'd be nice dictators. <laughs> you know? You know, very nice ones. We'd be like, are you, are you inconvenienced in any way? Oh, no, let us help you, please. <laughs> Unless you were really rich, in which case we'll treat you like shit. Right. <laughs> um, with... The NRA coming out to support Trump, which usually is the first of all the right-wing organizations coming under his banner. And with the, by the way, before we finish the show today, I want to get into this with you. The hypocrisy of the Republicans who are now saying that they can work with Donald Trump after spending six months saying, like, I don't understand how Hillary's campaign isn't going to be just playing clips of all of the other Republican. Like, that's what my campaign would be if I was served. Like, I'm not going to say a word about the guy. I'm going to talk about issues and anything negative we have to say, just air clips of everything Marco Rubio said, of everything Paul Ryan said, of everything Mitch McConnell. Well, no, don't show Yertle the turtle because people will fall asleep. But then also show, you know, all the all the crazy right wingers. I want to hear Lindsey Graham and his southern dandy voice going off about how much he hates Donald Trump. Like I just, I want all of that all the time. I like his voice. It's comforting, right? It's something about it's that not kind. Just comforting. It's 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 a it's a part of the South that I can really be comfortable with. You know? Did you ever watch anything on USA besides Monday Night Raw? Have you seen the commercials for that stupid show? Chrisley knows best. Um. Yeah, I've kind of seen a handful of episodes. Oh, you're fired. You know why? Here's why. Because no, you're when I fired. first heard you're about fired. the show. You're fired. I'm just. Now listen. You're. <laughs> when I first heard about the show, I'm like, who's Todd Chrisley? And who is Todd Chrisley, by the way? Because I don't know, and I've refused to look I'll him up. I'll tell you who he is, because I found out from the Besides first Besides a episode. Southern Dandy. 
So here's what I got out of it. Because um, I kind of not seen the first episode. And when I was trying to look them up online, like, I couldn't find anything. I was like, so did they just make up somebody like the Mandarin? Who is just, just <laughs> seriously? It's like did USA just kind of create this person and create their own reality show? But I guess he used to be a hedge fund manager at one point in the South, in Atlanta, I want to say. And from there, he went to his passion, which is fashion. So he started his own clothing line and having retail stores and everything. And he kind of made money off both Wall Street as well as the fashion industry and everything. And I got to tell you, this guy is really an asshole um, when it comes to parenting. Like he has to – all the kids, including his wife, have to go before him and he has to approve it. Wait, I'm sorry. Go back. He feels that he knows fashion real well in his tenure in life that his children, and including his wife, have to go before him to say, this is what I'm wearing, what do you think? And he'll say, he'll say yes or no before they even leave the house. Yeah. And he tracks all of his kids because he has the money. Not only tracking devices like in their cars, but on their phones, and he knows like where they're at at all times because he feels that all kids are delinquents from the get-go. And supposedly his story is both he and his wife grew up in the part of low country South Carolina where they had no money, so he really pulled up by his bootstraps and now has all this luxurious life and everything and he can do what he want carte blanche as well as tell people what to do and it's like you know and the the, the few handful of episodes because i really want to get the essence of this guy and it, and it really ties into what we're talking about in so far that is this there are people like todd chrisley who really feels that they have a very narrow viewpoint of how people conduct themselves as well as, you know, if you work hard, that things are going to get your way. But in my view, Ty Chrisley did the shortcut way by, you know, becoming a hedge fund manager, which is really the gambler of your own money. So he's using your money to, for his own profit to gamble with your, to gamble with your life. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then... I'm sorry. That's how the market works. Okay. Well, that was an interesting side note on Chrisley Knows Best uh, in reaction to mentioning Lindsey Graham because they're <laughs> basically the same person. Which, based on what and you're that, based on what you're saying, they're they're the same person. Right. You know, and you know, and the other thing is funny. The only thing funny about Todd Chrisley is some of his um, uh, what do you call it? Um, his um, one-liners, because they're very southern. Yeah, I mean the only thing I have seen the total. I have seen as a bag full of wet mice, and I'm like, I mean, this is what I like about the South. <laughs> I don't know why you uh, I, you understand what that implies, though, right? That implies well, that at some point he tried to drown a bunch of mice. Right. I just feel like that's important. 
<laughs> like, if you're going to say stuff like that, that it's important that we reflect on what that actually means is that Todd Chrisley at some point in his life did, in fact, try to drown a bunch of mice in a bag. Yeah. It's an oddly specific saying is all I'm getting at. Well, Foghorn Langhorn's in it, too. Foghorn Langhorn is, is the greatest representation of the South of all time. I'll say so. I'll say so. Um, every Southerner should talk like that. Every Southerner should talk. They should, and, and, I, and, I, and I will be okay with that. All right, before we get out of here for the day, uh, <laughs> did you happen to see what happened last night in uh, Albuquerque? Yes. Should we? All right, what do you? Holy shit, this just popped up on CNN. We might have to change our show for a second here. Uh, less than 1% of people arrested in the city of Chicago see a lawyer. What? Yeah. Less than what? So a city on edge, this is the lead story on CNN, uh, the task force that accused us of institutional racism, you know, correctly, yeah. um, has just released another stat that says that less than 1% of the people who are arrested in the city of Chicago get the opportunity to see a lawyer. Wow. So. And actually, well. No, that number is still insane. I don't care what your rationale. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, no, my only reaction, I'm like, well, you're actually saying paying an attorney, or are they? No, 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 no. They're including too? public defenders. Also, the public defenders. Yes. Wow. Because they they try. Because I don't know if you have you ever been arrested by Chicago police. I try not to. Okay, they discourage you from contacting attorneys. Well, I know that they go out of their way to try to get you to not do that. So this just says that they are successful at it 99.9% of the time, basically. I, I only wanted to bring it up because it happened to become the lead story on CNN, and we are the Chicago Podcast Network. So my reaction to this, and we'll probably do a little bit more on this a little later on when we've got a chance to digest it more, but I just want to say, not shocking. I think that would be a fair response. Like The numbers are shocking, but the fact that this happens, not shocking at all. Well, that's the thing, you know. Like I like to know, like how how far back are they going with that? Because if that's going back to under McCarthy's regime, if it's under Anita Val Anita Alvarez's regime, um, it, it, this obviously has to be under Rom's regime. Then I think that speaks more towards those people than anything else. Well, here you go. Uh, this is a, this is studying the last eight years. So there you go. I mean, it's, it's under those three people. And then it also says that during the last eight years, 74% of people killed or injured by a Chicago police officer were African-American. 17% or no, 72% of people stopped in the city of Chicago were African-American. 17% of them were Hispanic. So if you combine those two numbers together, that's 89% of the people stopped by Chicago police on the street are African-American or Hispanic. And yeah, so not shocking. But just another further example of how far this divide is is really good. I honestly, AJ, do do you think that the people who are on top, as George Carlin liked to call them, the real owners of this country, the ones who take away all fundamental choice, realize that if this that, that this situation is now untenable, that at some point something's got to give. That you know, you always said, or you said at the beginning of the show when we start talking about guns. That you've never been for violent revolution. I'm mm -hmm. not either. I grew up under the idea that you know every four years we get to overthrow the government. But I don't think that that's true anymore. No, and I guess... And I'm, we're, I was hoping to be talking about this at a later show, but here's what I'll say in brief. 
and I'll, I'll, I will try to make it brief. So I am a person that's not for a violent re- revolution from the get-go, you know? But sometimes if the dog is back into a corner, the dog has to do something to not be cornered. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you're going to hit me, um, I'm going to turn my cheek, but my other cheek has to turn back at some time also. So, I mean, I'm going to defend myself, and, you know, if it has to take some sort of not eradication, but, you know, trying to um, take back something, then something does need to happen. And, and no, it's not like what happened in Ferguson or Baltimore and all that where, you know, you're going to steal TVs or go to retails and everything. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm actually talking about people coming in masses and flooding City Hall (laughs) and, you know, sitting in – the chamber where the city council sits in and, you know, have enough people to take over the mayor's office. That's the kind of revolution I'm talking about. Not going there with a gun and be like, move the chair. I'm taking this shit over. I'm not talking about that. I mean, we, we, everybody has to do it as one big collective. You know, the same amount of masses that you show up to the Black Hawk Stanley Cup winning. Wait, I'm I'm sorry. How did you get the Chicago Blackhawks with that? Well, in terms of masses, you know, a lot of people will turn out for the Blackhawks for their Stanley Cup winning. Right. That's what oh, I'm saying. Yeah, that, is, that same that same amount of people that show show up also had to show up. By we, we've over had the, the, listen. You and I have been having this argument, Jesus Christ. Now that I realize it, for almost three years, um, people aren't going to show up. So that's you what need, I'm saying. But you but, need to stop. I'm not saying you need to stop trying, but you need to start real. I, you and I had this. Do you remember the? It was one of the first arguments you and I ever had on the radio. Do you remember it? About I, I was talking to you about why people don't show up to the stuff that you believe in. Right. And it's because people have to work. Right. And when I said it then, I thought it was more of a thing that people just had to work. But the older I'm getting, I'm realizing that I think that that's part of what we would consider the conspiracy theory of the guys who are on top. And they are guys. I'm not trying to be disrespectful towards women here, but the majority of the people who would be what we think of as the Illuminati that aren't really, like, take away all the weird shit, but the owners of this country are old white men. And those old white men, I truly believe, keep us in debt so that we have to keep going to work so that we can't go out onto the street and protest. And, And it's getting worse. And it's just getting worse. And it's getting worse. And for some, and somehow, AJ, do you know who the great savior against all of this has become, even though it's not what we want at all? Is Hillary Clinton. Like, we are now all counting on Hillary Clinton to be the one to stop all of this. That's, right. and I'm sorry, I don't trust her to do that. No. I don't trust Bill to do that either. As much as we all talk about how much everybody loved Bill Clinton, yeah, I liked Bill Clinton in the 90s. I don't like who Bill Clinton is now. He's just a paid-for spokesman for whatever company wants to give him money to give a speech. And I get it because from his perspective, he gave this country his heart and soul, and what do they do? They, they, they tried to impeach him for having an affair, which I don't really even put on the realm of wrong enough to be criminal, but it's just... This stuff just keeps happening, and it keeps getting worse. And then you've got organizations like the NRA, organizations that come around and force agendas down their throat. Because the one stat we never got to, by the way, in today's show, 
Majority of members of the NRA support background checks and the closing of the gun show loophole. Mm -hmm. It's something like 87% of the members of the NRA, yet the NRA continues to fight against those things. So what the fuck? Why is that happening? Because the people who fund the NRA are not the members. They're the people who make and manufacture guns who want them to keep being sold at the numbers they're being sold at because if they were to shut down illegal gun sales in the United States, they would stop selling guns. And they would lose money. And so they are actively murdering people on the south side of Chicago to keep their stock price up. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Honestly, I'm asking you. That, that's what I believe. Am I wrong? Mm-mm. Not at all. Ladies Not and gentlemen, um, I, I think that's a good spot to end as any. They are murdering people for money. And nobody seems to care. So... That's. Can you think of a better spot to go? Is there anything else you want to get to? No. I mean, it, it, just like what you said. I mean, and this is the organization that's backing Donald Trump, just to kind of right. And, and, that's, and that's the. And I've said this before. Anywhere I go, it's like no matter what, we can talk about changing this, changing that. There's only one common denominator, <clears throat> and for me, I call that capitalism, and it's it's always that profit. It's always going to be about money at the end of the day. And for those who actually believe in in a free market or they want to eliminate bureaucracy or they want to, you know, have the freedom to have money as well as the freedom to have the gun or whatever it is, that's what it is at the end of the day. But the idea of a free market is a complete lie. It's not a free market. That's what I'm saying. And so, I mean, the more people... The more people believe in that kind of classical li- liberalism, the more it's going to hurt us. And it's because of that, that's why our planet is in jeopardy. That's why we're not having the, the proper living wage or labor practice that we have. Um, the more war we're having, um, everything in our society is based on that, this idea of classical liberalism when it comes to economic freedom and being free from what people having that what reagan says you know i like to see government smaller as i see it through the rearview mirror you know i mean if we think if you keep thinking like that then you're really going to ask yourself well who's going to regulate this because more people are going to get hurt and more people are just going to be belligerent and doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but they have to be done because no one else is doing it. Well, no, there's, I know that you're busy, so do you got time to stick around a little bit? Or yeah. You, okay. Um, we're going to go a little bit longer than we normally do, folks, just because this is getting interesting. The best example of what you're talking about is honestly the EPA. Um, the EPA is a organization, it's the Environmental Protection Agency. Its whole purpose is to protect the environment, that thing that we all use and breathe and live off of and, you know, go to the beach or whatever. It's the Environmental Fucking Protection Agency. Now, I know that in the 1980s, the EPA is villainized repeatedly in movies because when I think of the EPA, right or wrong, I think of the bad guy from Ghostbusters. But the funny thing is, this is the organization that if it had enough money, prevents things like Flint, Michigan. Or I'm assuming, have you read the stories about the lead in the water Chicago schools? 
Mm-hmm. So, folks, all that shit that you kept hearing about Flint, Michigan, and listen, in Chicago, you almost kind of, I don't want to say you laugh about it, but you go, well, of course, it's just outside of Detroit. Detroit's a cesspool of shit, whatever. That's also happening here. Like, Chicago needs to stop making fun of Detroit because eventually we're going to become Detroit. And the EPA would have prevented that if it was properly funded. The EPA could have taken action to stop it from getting as bad as it did. But we keep defunding an organization like that because they're villainized by people on the right to say that they're interfering with small businesses. They're interfering with this. When the truth is they're not interfering with small businesses. Most of the time the EPA doesn't get involved. I do a lot of government work in my other job with you know forms and taxes and stuff. And yeah, the EPA can be a pain in the ass sometimes. But for the most part, you know what they? You know what the EPA, the, the only thing I've ever dealt with the EPA with on any small business has been with auto mechanic shops and where they dump all of their fluids because they want to make sure that they're not dumping them right down the sewer grate which apparently is a big fucking problem Mm -hmm. and that's all they're trying to do and it's shit like that but they are villainized by the right and people are said that they're 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 damaging businesses they're damaging society and you kind of have to finally shut it all down and go no these are the fuckers who are trying to make sure that i have clean water and clean air without the epa la never fixes the smog problem that it had throughout the 80s and 90s you remember being a kid man and you see those cuts of la and it would just like in movies and it's just smog everywhere right they don't have that anymore because the EPA in California came in and like changed and, and recommended changes in emissions and changes in how they do public transportation and switching to biodiesel and all of their major trucks. And the next thing you know, 10 years later, there's no smog. Like, that's a great organization that does amazing things and it has no funding. We talked earlier about the National Tracking Council and how they have no money because it stops people from making money. We have all of this shit constantly going on that's all about making sure that, like, one percent of the people, and I hate using that because it's so used now, but it mathematically is less than one percent of the people can keep profiting while the rest of us keep fighting for a smaller and smaller piece of the pie. And and, and I get I get disheartened and I get angry. And again, it is February or February. It is May twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. In three days, and not even three days, in two days, the shootings will start. And the only repercussions of that mass thing of violence, some cops are going to get fired and some gun companies are going to make a shitload of money. That's all that's going to change. That's fucked up. And that's where we're at right now. I'm done. You got anything else? No, I think the only thing I want to slightly end on is, have you seen um, Money Monster yet? No, is it good? It is, Um, and there's a portion in Money Monster that they kind of talk about how stocks work a little bit and how our currencies digitalize, Um, and I bring that up for this purpose, is this what you said, that there's there's gun manufacturers that are profiting off people. If you really want to, for all of you who really believe in the market, um, if you really want to hurt a business or an organization um, don't buy guns and once <laughs> stocks plummet not just for a day not just for one quarter but for three consecutive quarters um, they will change their tune because they're losing millions of dollars Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Out Front with AJ and Nick. AJ, say goodbye to the people.
Bye, people. Uh, this has been Nick Serrano's AJ Signary doing Out Front here on the Chicago Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening, uh, downloading the episode. Please recommend us to your friends, to your family, to even the people that you hate. If you don't like the show, then tell people you hate to listen to us. We don't care. We're, we're, we're a non-discriminatory organization as far as you are concerned. Uh, unless you're a Donald Trump supporter, in which case you probably are coming to kill both of us uh, with your AR-15 and your grenades. The... Uh, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Chicago Podcast One, Chi Town Podcast One, and you can email us on Gmail at Chicago Podcast Network. Uh, I'm sorry, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Saying an email address out loud is a weird thing to do. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you guys next week after Memorial Day, and I'm sure we'll have the most depressing stat report in the world. AJ, thank you so much for doing the show, man. No problem. And I will talk to you. I and he and all of us here will talk to you guys next week. Thank you. We out! It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.